Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. So hello and everybody, and welcome to Mixedonic University Radio, a podcast and live stream exploring fantasy blood games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And today, we're on chapter three of five of the epic journey through the player cards of Edge of the Earth. Uh, we're specifically today checking out the Seeker, Neutral, and Basic Weaknesses. There's um, a lot of cards, folks. They sure are, but we're but we're getting them out as fast as we can, and also trying to trying to switch it up in the in the middle and uh, make it a little interesting for some folks who who may not want five episodes worth of uh, live player cards in a row. Switch. Oh, are you talking about our breakdown of Arcanites last week? Last yeah, week's totally. episode. Last week it was actually like, you know, like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because we talked about Piata for half an hour. Um, you guys shouldn't let me ramble that long. So. Or we should have let you ramble longer. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, because there are so many cards, let's start talking about them. Let's uh, do it. So the first one is uh, so we've seen this, there's kind of a cycle of new permanents that affect deck building in some way, and there's like one for each class, right? Um, plus like a neutral one. So the seeker one of these is called Forced Learning, and it's a level zero, no cost asset. It's a talent and a ritual. And it says, permanent, limit one per deck, purchase a deck creation, increase your deck size by 15. Wow. Uh, <laughs> during each upkeep phase, instead of drawing one card, draw two cards and discard one of them. I love that ever... you were the one to uh, to, <laughs> to read this one. Do you guys ever think about how like messed up that would be, like forced learning? Like someone points a gun at your head and they're like, you have to learn this. <laughs> like, that's just, that's creepy as hell. That's, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, so far I know the main use of this is so that you can have an even bigger Mandy deck. Um, I know that that's the main use people have been putting in, at least on Arkham DB. Of course. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah. Shout um, out to the 94-card Mandy deck that's out there right now on the front page. That's got a lot of F-bombs in it, and that's the only reason why I liked it, started, favorited it, shared it on Instagram <laughs> and Google and whatever. It's uh, too many cards. Um, Dane, Dane thinks that 90 should be the minimum deck size for Mandy, just in general, uh, which I happen to disagree with. Um, so <laughs> that that aside, though, are you guys uh, excited to play forced learning decks? Well, like the reason we say we want less cards in a deck is for consistency, right? And this increases your deck size, but you still get to draw. You, you know, kind of doubles your draw if you're not doing any other type of drawing at all. Uh, so theoretically, it should make your deck more consistent, right? Yeah. So this is like kind of. It's weird because it's like going in the opposite direction of what? What's the green one? Underworld contacts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but but this is like multiplied by th- this is like a lot of new. <laughs> this is a lot of more cards, and like theoretically, it's taking you through your deck twice as fast. If you're considering that, like, fast is one card a turn, right? And that's not the case. You generally need to draw more cards with other, like, through other ways to get the cards that you need. So, like, especially if you happen to be a seeker. 
Yeah, and and you don't even want to discard them all, right? Like, of course, of course, there's always the argument. Well, you can just take the one that's good, but like when all of your cards are good. Well, like, no, like... but 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 that's the thing. Like, draw two, discard one is always better than draw one, right? Like, literally always. Um, yeah, sure, know, sure. unless unless you're worried about like running out of horror and die, running out of uh, de- cards and, and dying to horror or something. But so so that part's cool. The, the way I think about it is like, suppose you don't have this card. You start your deck is like 33 cards. You start with five in hand. After 10 turns, you've drawn 10 additional cards. So you have like 15 cards. So you've seen, you know, 15 out of 33 cards. If you have this, then your deck size is like 48. And after 10 turns, you've seen like 25 out of 48. So like, you're not really, the ratio is like about the same. Um, You know, like it's not, and that's, that's assuming kind of like best case scenario for this card, which is that your draw has been doubled because your draw is entirely upkeep. If you're drawing other cards off of other things, which you probably are if you're a seeker, then this is kind of, it's it's really not even, it's not even doing that. So I, I like the idea of this, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's like some deck that it's good in, especially if you're playing it in maybe like a min deck that's playing a bunch of survivor cards that like want to go in the in the discard pile. Yeah. Um, but I think that you, you probably shouldn't play this just thinking like, oh, this will make me find my whatever faster, because it probably won't. Yeah, this is kind of like, so I made a deck kind of in theory i made a lot of decks uh, recently dan but uh oh, in, we, where were in dan? theory <laughs> i made a deck that was called min max because i'm obsessed with netrunner crossovers right. and uh so it has both this permanent and the red permanent in it mm-hmm. so when you start the game you've got 45 cards in your deck and everybody's saying wow that's bad dane but you have short supply as well so that discards 10 cards like after you draw your opening hand etc um so you really only like theoretically the per- first pass through have a 35 card deck and some of that's in the discard pile so you can get like your um uh fortuitous discoveries you can get your winging it's in there etc you can get your you know anything like items if you're going to be playing scavenging there's that new professor william webb who can pull items back from the bin there's like a lot of stuff there that can happen that's kind of interesting um but whether it's worth it, I haven't actually played it yet. It feels like maybe a no. Maybe there needs to be a few more cards that are printed that can like work from the bin. But I don't know. At least it'll probably be fun. There you go. It, right? it, I mean, it does also it does also give you an extra like draw trigger. Like if you're playing the Ancient yeah. Stone or something like that, maybe it would be. I, I still don't think it would be worth it. But like if you're playing in anyway, it would be a fun synergy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely it's definitely an interesting card. Like I I kind of feel similar to most of these like uh class specific new deck building permanents, which is they're really interesting and I like the fact that they exist. I don't know if I'm like rushing to Arkham DB to build a deck with this, but uh, I'm I'm kind of happy it's there. Yeah, totally. I mean, for this I was wondering uh for not for seekers, cuz seekers have a million draw card draw. Uh is this better for, you know, off-class seekers or or Dunwich 5 or something so that they do get a little bit more natural draw. I mean, Dan's right that like initially it's about the same, but I think over over more turns you're going to see more and more of your deck with this. I mean, it it's sort of like when I tried to do the math a minute ago. It's kind of those are maybe best case scenario because they do have really limited draw options. So if they're doubling the amount of cards they draw during upkeep, maybe that is kind of just doubling the amount of cards that they get to see. But at the end of the day, they're increasing your deck size by a lot, and then they're kind of drawing through it a little bit faster. So uh, you, you got to take into account like how long the game's going to be and some other things. Basically, I, I don't know if this is worth one of your five off-class slots, unless you're doing like 
prismatic synergy Zoe or something, and you're like trying to have a permanent of each class so that you can play whatever that kind of junk. Ben is <laughs> Ben is making up. excited noise. I, <laughs> but I think that would I think that would infringe on your plan to always play a bunch of stabby things in Zoe. It would. It does take up the stabby the off class stabby uh, slots. But you could get force learning, when you could also get underworld support, and then you'd have ten why, extra why, why cards. Why stop there? <laughs> how many? How many? Oh wait, there yeah, aren't even could, that many. You could get, you could get the rap. You could get the rabbit hole card you, too. You could literally is get there all enough five cards. Of them. Is there enough cards to upgrade that are like mostly guardian cards <laughs> that you could use the through the rabbit hole? Yeah, there are. Let's let's well, let's set this aside for when we do an episode like top ten dumbest decks ever <laughs> or something like that. Um, <laughs> In, in the meantime, okay. maybe we should maybe we should move on to the second card. Yeah, yeah. So the second card we've got here is uh, maybe a familiar face. We've got um, Netrunner World Champion slash uh, Warhammer Invasion World Champion slash uh, Call of Cthulhu World Champion slash like name a card game and he's the world champion of it. Uh, Jeremy's Warren. I, I guess his name is Jeremiah Kirby in this game, but. The the man in the black hat because he always wears a black hat. He does. Yeah, that's his that's his thing, right? He does um, always have a black hat. <laughs> Arctic archaeologist. So we actually helped uh, spoil this, right? So thanks to everybody who was there for our cool spoiler stream. But uh, yeah, so which was which was Darren not Michael. Dan. Dan, what were you doing? Getting a burrito, biking up a yeah, mountain. That that is that. usually what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> comrade, it's all about the Zorns here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> has rare jeremy's post them in the chat please we need, we need some rare jeremy's totally so uh we got jeremiah kirby he's a unique ally uh arctic archaeologist he uh, levels zero and uh costs four to play um commits for one intellect is an ally miskatonic and wayfarer you get plus one int seems great uh, and it's triggered ability or reaction uh after Jeremiah Kirby enters play, choose even or odd, and then reveal the top five cards of your deck. Draw each card with a cost that matches the chosen option. Shuffle the remaining cards back into your deck. Uh, he's got two health, one sanity, and he takes up your ally slot. So potential to draw a lot of cards with this. With this, Dane, can can you say know. can you say Arctic archaeologist five times fast? <laughs> that sounds like something I don't want to try to say. <laughs> uh, no, you're just gonna give up. You're just gonna disappoint our fans in the chat. <laughs> So I think we've talked about this card at least twice already on the podcast. Dan talked about it a little bit uh, last in the last episode, right? Because you played it in your Manny deck. It's good, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good point, Dan. You've played with it with um, with Trish, right? Too, um, and so far you've gotten some pretty good hits with it. Yeah, right? I, I did not end up playing it in the Mandy deck, but I have played it in the Trish deck that I'm playing with in Return of the Circle Undone with Dane. And I've made a couple of Monterey Jack decks that I haven't actually played yet that are similar to that Trish deck. And I think it's pretty excellent in those. Um, I mean, like, it's it's definitely competing against uh, Dr. Milan Christopher, which is another great ally that kind of fits in the same slot because it has the same cost, um, gives you plus one intellect, and it gives you some kind of nice rider on top of that, right? Like, Milan basically gives you a resource every turn, and Jeremiah, if you're willing to kind of build your deck around him, can probably draw you like four or five cards, which both both of those things are great. And you kind of have to decide maybe based on what your specific deck needs and based on how much of a burden it is to build your deck around odds or evens. Um, but I, I think, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a good card. It's definitely like competitive with Dr. Milan. Yeah, totally. The the end boost, like if that wasn't there, it might he might be one of those it, allies. It wouldn't like really be or something like that. That you it kind wouldn't of really be. 
not not for four resources it wouldn't maybe if it was like two cost or something maybe but sure sure <clears throat> but like this this has kind of like everything you want it even has like the health for for those who it's relevant for right like like uh daisy for example is somebody who has five health and that that is pretty relevant for her to take inerrant damage um but regularly if you build your deck around this this is going to get you like four or five cards pretty consistently yeah. and like it's just it just happens that there's like a weird amount of excellent green and yellow cards that are evens. Um, I haven't tried the odds yet, and so, I know that there are some that are good there. But I I think evens is way better, and the reason is zero is the best number that you want to see in the upper left corner of a card, is, right? And like you you really really are biased towards trying to play cards that have a big round circle up there. <laughs> and as as long as like like if, if you're trying to go for all odds, like all of your cards cost at least one. That's that's kind of scary, right? And sure. it just so and it just so happens that a lot of the good seeker cards, like upgraded magnifying glass, uh, Jeremiah himself, um, th- there's a lot of good even seeker cards. And I've been playing it in these kind of seeker rogue decks, like Trish and Monty and, and Finn could do it also, because there's also a lot of good even rogue cards. There's the service events. There's cigarette case, yeah. obviously. Um, so I, I I think evens is like more likely to be good for this than odds. It also keep in mind that yes, yeah, skills don't have a cost, right? So skills, it's not that they cost zero; they don't have a cost. So you really don't want to play skills if you're going to play a deck that's really reliant on skills, like with practice makes perfect and per- perception induction and stuff. That's maybe not the deck you want to play Jeremy in, but a deck where you can like afford to play like zero or two cost events that have good icons instead of skills, like um, you know, you play like working a hunch instead of perception or something like that then it becomes really good. But basically, I mean, if you can get, I don't know exactly what number you'd like have to be at before this becomes like an awesome card, but if you can be at, you know, like 25, 26 even costed cards and then like a couple of skills and like maybe a couple, like I have like Lone Wolf in the Trish deck as like pretty much the only odd costed card. Um, you know, if you can get to like 25 or 26, then I think you're I think you're in really good shape and this is like pretty great. Especially keep in mind he's gonna die, you can replay him, you can maybe calling in favors or something like that, although I believe that has an odd cost. So, you know, there's 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 ways to you're hopefully gonna play like two or three Jeremy's over the course of the game. Yeah, totally. I also think that like it, it's kind of a like the cherry on top is that like Trish has an even costed uh, signature card. I think right. Monterey Jacks is too for whatever reason. And uh Finn also, his little his tiny gun and his uh event that he can search up there so it's like it's like even more consistency with this and uh what what's funny is that i'm realizing is that there are some weaknesses somebody in chat mentioned that do have costs like the tower tower. the tower has a four cost so technically jeremiah would force you to draw it not that that's like bad or anything because you're probably still drawing four other cards with it but but hey you know it can happen sometimes yeah you're getting it out of your deck at least yeah um yeah no it's it's definitely it's it's just a pretty solid card and you might upgrade out of it because like look there there are there are some at some point it kind of becomes untenable like i'm giving up too many good odd costed cards just as a price to play this maybe so like in that in that monterey jack in that trish deck like i might eventually basically replace him with lola santiago because she's odd costed and you start putting in like good skills and things but at least like initially it's it's just a pretty solid card yeah yeah totally I, I mean, I like it because it does encourage this kind of weird deck building that you have to kind of think a bit more to, to like, make work, which is great for Seeker because um, Seeker already has a million very good cards to think about. So it's like, oh, man, can I cut out half of the very good cards and still be incredible? The answer is yes. Um, right. I, <laughs> I, I, I think if you're if you're playing, like, a totally normal deck, like, if you just have maybe, like, eight 
eight or nine skills and things with with no cost, like twelve even cards and like nine odd cards. At that point, it's like kind of hard to make an argument for this over Doctor Milan, just because Doctor Milan is like I mean, unless you really don't need money at all. But uh, but it, yeah, if you can really kind of like weight your deck towards evens or or maybe even odds, although I think that's less good, then uh, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think this card is super, super good. I think the only Nambo that I can see with it is is level zero magnifying glass, which is generally in every secret deck, right? So like that you gives you an excuse to upgrade it to level level zero or one, or just take like Hawkeye folding cameras, which are a little worse, but I love I love them. Well, well, that's that's the real curse of Jeremy Zorn. The 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 Jeremiah curse be of this card is that uh, this this card made me doubt my own uh, deeply held beliefs to the point where I actually put uh hawkeye folding camera in the level zero uh trish deck instead of magnifying glass which is completely wrong because magnifying glass <laughs> is like the best card in the game and hawkeye folding camera is pretty bad but i was i looked at that little two up there that even number and i said oh i gotta give this a shot and uh i mean it wasn't terrible or anything but i definitely wished that i had magnifying glass instead so that's the that's the jeremy's a trickster you gotta sometimes you gotta look at it and be like i know what you're trying to do you're trying to get me to not play magnifying glass i'm still gonna play magnifying glass you gotta be able to do it yeah comrade in, comrade in chat knows uh, camera's great but anyway we, let's move on to the next All one. Right, let's move on. Um, so up next, we have Ridden in the Stars. Space uh, dog. It, it is a space dog. Um, it's a level zero, cost one event, seeker, of course, uh, with one wild icon. Uh, it's an insight because it's, of course, a seeker event. Uh, fast, play only during your turn. Discard the top card of your deck. If that card is a weakness, shuffle it back into your deck. Otherwise, for the remainder of your turn, while that card is in your discard pile, commit it to each eligible skill test you perform. And it's got uh, it's got an Adam S. Doyle uh, space dog art uh, psychedelic going on, which is pretty cool. That's yeah, so great. This is going to join like... the ranks of like Pocket Sand and all the other cards that I'd never remember the name of, actually, just for the art. <laughs> It's a. Uh, it's gonna join the ranks of uh, Barf from Spaceballs as a famous uh, space dog. Uh, I still I, uh, don't know what Pocket Sand is, Dan. You say it every I, week. <laughs> I I will not forget the name of this card because I tried to play one copy of this in the Gloria deck in our the our take one of our Return to the Circle Undone run, yeah. and it never worked. And it really was. It, I mean, you can't totally blame this card for the fact that we both died in that run, but. Uh, I kind of unfairly do blame this card. At least, um, this is like it's just very tempting because, like, look, I played Amanda a couple of times. When you can like commit a level two perception three times in a turn, it's very, very good, right? Like, you really, if you can kind of get that kind of value off of a skill card, it feels great. So you you see this and you're like, oh man, I could like be Amanda for a turn, basically, when I'm playing a worse investigator, right? But uh, it's just. I mean, maybe like Norman, like if, if you're if you're already like always looking at the top of your deck, I think there's maybe an argument to try to do this. If you yeah. also have great skill cards that you're going to be able to like use three times in a turn, but it, it, you got to be careful. This is just it's it's a lot of moving parts. It's like really hard to actually pull this off. Uh, yeah, I think you have to be someone that can easily manipulate the top of their deck, um, like with no cost. So Norman, even this would be very even good more for. easily than Gloria. So basically, just Norman. Well, it's literally but, just Norman, yeah. But Gloria has to use some of her precious cards that she would use during like, the encounter deck uh, to manipulate her own deck. Um, while Norman what I was, gets it for free. So What I what I was kind of hoping was that Gloria would have enough different things that could look at the top of a deck that on some turns I could be like, use scrying on the encounter deck, and then I would still have like a listogram to look, or, or something. Like, you know, you'd 
that was the plan. It never worked out that way. Yeah, but yeah, no. I, this, I, this I, is I, a I think Norman card. Yeah, I, I think it's basically Norman or bust for this one. It is, yeah, yeah, because like Norman also his new signature card helps with this, right? Because if you have deduction in your hand and you have your signature, you can just um, pull it from your hand, throw it on the top of your deck, use it written in the stars. It's just there's like there's more of yeah. a use case for yeah, it than exactly. you think, you know, and and you could even like do crazy things with the um, what's the grimoire that you had for Gloria for a hot second? It was. Um, it was like a purple grimoire that like the it's ast- like astronomical atlas, which is great. That that's yeah. awesome. So you can like hypothetically use your your signature to throw that card on top, put it in, under the that book, commit it, and then put it back on top and do just crazy things with this and 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 written the stars. And I think honestly that would be pretty fun and pretty pretty powerful. But for anybody else, I feel well, wait, like how, this just kind how, of how would how would you do this simultaneously with the astronomical atlas? Because both of them pull something from the top of your deck, right? I'm just saying that, like, you can use it with an astronomical atlas first. Oh, it goes back to your hand, like, like, and then you can use it to um, written in the stars if you want to, or you can just well, continue. But, using it. but it's also good because, like, you're playing Norman. You could, like, okay, I know the top of my deck is not something that I want to play Space Dog on. Use the atlas to to draw that to, or to to put that under the atlas, and then I have a new top deck, and then maybe this is something that I could play Space Dog on. It's also yeah, and it, it also like it costs one, which is like it's not that bad, but it's like man, this doesn't really need to cost one. Considering well, remember, how. Norman- uh, oh, yeah, no, okay yeah that just number, so. that you're right that that just yeah, makes it even down. more that just makes it even more of a norman card although you don't really want to play this off the top of your deck so i don't know that yeah yeah but but like i'm guessing like if you wanted to do a jeremy's Warren deck that's odds it's probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. because he's got wards he's got it's, like this he's got you know there's magnifying glass level level zero which is totally fine there's just a lot of cards that you could use for that it's it's a good point if you are if you are going to play uh Jeremiah Oddsby or whatever it would be. Norman is probably like the natural home for yeah. that. Spells, yeah, like are mis- for all mystics. Yeah, mystic cards. There are a lot of odd mystic cards that like up- yeah. he could upgrade into. That could be cool. Uh, yeah. There's there's some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should move on though, because I, I again, this is it's interesting, and I tried. It. I don't know how much play this is actually going to see. I'll definitely use it in Norman, uh, but let's move on to the next one. Uh, another another card that see we're, we're definitely hitting a lot of cards that we've at least tried to make work, uh, which is kind of exciting because it means we can offer some actual insights about them. So this is hiking boots. It's a seeker asset. It costs two and it's level one. Uh, it has an agility icon on it and it says item clothing footwear limit one footwear per investigator. You get plus one agility reaction after the last clue is discovered from your location. Exhaust hiking boots. Move to a connecting location with at least one clue or to a connecting unrevealed location. Uh, Dane, do you want to talk about hiking boots since you're weirdly obsessed with this card? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's talk about the weird obsession for a second. I feel like if this card came out and it was still in Massachusetts or Connecticut, I wouldn't be as connected with this card. Dane, because... Dane has a shoe thing. That's that's the weird obsession. <laughs> but because I'm now in Colorado and most of the population of Colorado just like ha- just hike and have hiking boots, this makes more sense. These boots were made for hiking. This this card is like I also love Ursula. And this card reinvigorated my love of Ursula. So this card is like, I mean, what other footwear do we have in the game? Track shoes. What's track shoes? A great card. This card is a great card. It gives you plus one agility, which is great for Ursula. Not many other Seekers, maybe, probably. But the the important part is that Ursula can trigger her ability when this happens. And like also off class people can use it too. Like like Trish, for example, you you took it in her in the in the thing. Um Monterey Jack can use it. 
Finn, Finn could grab it, right? Uh, no, Finn can only grab level zero. Ah, Finn. <clears throat> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's basically it's, like actual seekers plus uh, Trish, I think is like, and is and Monterey Jack, I guess. Yeah, it's it's the free move is is fantastic, obviously for Ursula, but it's also just kind of nice in the case, you know action compression etc i wouldn't play more than one copy probably it's just kind of like one of those cards that's like it's great if you get it might not even be good if you get it but if you get it early you can play it and and get some value out of it i i do like this card and i am playing it in that trish deck and it's been fairly good it's also it's even so it fits in great into like the trish monterey jack uh jeremy decks right um I think the the only thing I would say about it is like even track shoes, it's a good card, but like you, you can't play it just because you want the the, the extra movement. Yeah. Like you basically need to either you need to like already have good enough agility that you can probably pass the movement test and also still kind of want more agility. So that kind of limits who can play it. This is almost kind of similar yeah. where like you need to actually get a real benefit from having the agility and probably more than just like playing lockpicks or something. Um and you also, the movement is like less reliable than I kind of thought it would be because of the condition that you can only move to a place that either is unrevealed or, or it still has clues on it. Like some scenarios that you can usually do that. Other scenarios, you just like only maybe get to trigger it once. So, you know, if you're playing, if, if you're paying two resources and a, and a click and a card to put down a thing that's going to like maybe give you a free move once when you, not necessarily when you need it most then it's in like you should have just played shortcut territory right so you really have to want the agility but some people like in a like a hybrid trish or uh monterey jack deck do want the agility to evade things so it totally. can be pretty good in those decks yeah i also think it just kind of came out at a great time because jeremiah kirby obviously is fantastic for even costed cards so it's like more there's more of an incentive there if this card shortcuts costed, also even yeah <laughs> if, if, if this card costed three I, d- I wouldn't think it's as good as it is, I think. Right. But the fact yeah. that it costs two is fine. It's totally fine. So I like Iken Boots a lot, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to using it more. And, on, and it, Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I'm on the same page as Dan. Basically, it's not a generically great card for every investigator, but I think for Ursula and Trish and Monterey, who, especially Monterey and, and Ursula, who like moving around to trigger their other abilities, um, it's helpful in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're if you actually are going to use your agility to evade things, or if you have the bow or something, and bonus if you want to like move a lot, like Ursula or Monterey Jack, then it's it's like probably a solid card, and you should probably play like one copy of it, uh, or maybe two if you like have some kind of special reason for it. But if if you're just like kind of an ordinary seeker that's going to spend most of your time investigating, and you're, and you're not going to be evading, then I don't know about it. Yeah, chat is suggesting using it in Carolyn to give her a little bit of extra movement compression. Uh, I guess as you get cart pick up clues. It, I see. I mean, give it a try maybe, and 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 you know, see how it goes. I just I worry that because of the restriction that it's only when the last clue is discovered, and then only when you can move to another location that is either unrevealed or has clues. Like when I first saw that, I was like, oh, that's probably going to be fine. Like most of the time, that's going to be okay. But in in us playing it so far, like uh, you know, Dane, I think playing it in um, you. You played it in Machinations, right, as Ursula, I think? Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm playing it in Trish. And where the other guys. Like, you get to use it sometimes, but often not when you really want to. Um, and, and sometimes it's like, well, I get a free movement, but it's not to the place that I want to go. So it just, that might be, like, a little bit more of a restriction than you at first think it is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it stacks really well. Like, if you have, like, a Lola for your Trish deck or something, if you have, like, Lola and hiking boots, 
that's a lot of agility. <laughs> you're at like six agility. Your lockpicks are going to be better. There's a skill card that's coming up that we're going to be talking about that makes that better. Like just a lot of like neat interactions with this set specifically, but also with like mainly rogue off class dudes type folks. It's also great with crack the case, which like every secret deck should be playing anyway. Oh, but yeah. but because because that makes you like want to like be there when the last clue is is taken. So this yeah. you know. Same with Hawkeye yeah. folding camera. <laughs> Hey, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. We're back there. Let's uh, anyway. let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next card we've got is uh, join the caravan. This is a uh, level one event. Uh, it it costs five to play. Wow, that's that's really bad. Uh, it has two commit symbols. It's got one that's intellect and one that is agility. It's an insight and a synergy. Fast play only during your turn. Reduce the cost of this card by one for each different class among cards you control. And then just move to any revealed location. Uh, the true journey is the one that we take in our minds. Whoa, dude. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So, like, I mean, this is... <laughs> what's funny about this is this is, like, um, elusive, right? Like, I know I know, elusive was... Um, no, it was revealed location, but as long as there's no enemies at it, I think. This is kind of like a better elusive, but, like... It's it's focused on how many cards that you have that are of different classes. I'm, so, I'm just really glad that they're finally printing some cards that help seekers move around the map faster. Because <laughs> I, I also really fast, feel like, right? yeah, I feel like seekers really need more like good fast cards that let them teleport wherever they want. There's just hasn't been enough of that. They, so they only have like Eon Chart, Pathfinder, Shortcut, the boots that we just talked about. Like the, no the other book class. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, this seems like it's it's good for Carolyn. We were talking about we were talking about her one, earlier, right? She probably yeah. has enough to reduce this down to two or one. Just one like, her kit. Yeah, I, I think that would be. This is the case where it's like this is a good way for Carolyn to move around. One thing I want to ask, though, I believe that the cost of this, like, I think that Jeremy, when you're checking whether the cost is even or odd, it doesn't oh. say printed cost. It just says cost. So, like, if you know that you're always only ever going to have seeker cards in play. Or and, and neutral cards and like your your investigator card is a seeker, then this would make this cost four just always. And then I think Jeremy would draw it for you. Interesting. Uh, but the, the cost is applied when you play the card, I think, for this one. Uh like but it doesn't like say it's not cost X. It says play play it and reduce the cost of the card by one. So I think the uh, cost is I think the base cost is still five. I mean, I'll, I'll defer to Ben as the rules master, but it, it doesn't say when you play it, reduce the cost of it. It's just it, like fast oh. is like a property the card has. Play only during your turn is a restriction. Reduce the cost by one is, I don't know. It sounds like that could just always be active. Even if it's in your deck and you haven't drawn it yet? Uh, like, why not? Like, like uh, events, when you play them, that's when their effect goes into applies usually. So like you play but this card and yeah. as part of playing it, you pay the cost, but... You reduce the but, cost, but it's but it's control. but it's fast before you play it. Like fast is just a, a property that the card has, even when it's in your hand and you're not currently playing it. Well, fast means it doesn't cost an action to play. But 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 similarly, like uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll leave it up to Ben because this feels like a very weird corner case of the rules. But <laughs> I would I would be interested in at least like hearing back what the like hive minds of rules people in the yeah. rules zone think about it. I forgot to open yeah. up the giant list of rules people have about all these cards. It might be a question on there. Already. I know that <laughs> I know that there's one about like the X cost card. It's like the the flute of the outer gods or something like that with Jeremy or something. And like people were very confused about that. And this is kind of probably along those same lines. But yeah, 
I think um, to, to, to draw it to a different point, um, Midas in chat is saying that like Edge of the Earth might just be a huge map, just like Innsmouth, maybe even bigger. We don't know. So things like this might be even more helpful than like connecting locations. Because I'm imagining like MJ is going to put things in that are like, you know, an avalanche hit this location. Every time you move through it, you have to take like three damage or something like that. So like teleporting that way might be more helpful in that regard. That being said, the only the only list that I have this kind of brainstormed in right now is a Carolyn deck because Synergy feels like you have to make your entire deck around it or don't bother with it. You can't just kind of like go for a middle ground. Like I'm not going to play this for three, most likely. I'm probably not going to play this for four. <laughs> like I would play this for two. Uh, you know, anything more than that. The thing is like, in Innsmouth or something like so we just did Innsmouth if you listen to our most recent episode we talked about like how broken the pendant was in a couple of those scenarios where like if you have a huge map and you just need to get from one end of it to the other end teleporting is pretty good right I feel like uh like upgrade into this in like lost in time and space or something for like the last scenario if you're a deck that's kind of rich it's it's not the craziest thing in the world right especially if you're like because like uh, Finn Finn can take this right because he can take like up to level one. No, somebody somebody level can. Uh, Trish and Gloria Gloria can take or, this. Well, or, or like 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 Tony oh, right. right? My, my my point is there's like there's people that like have yeah, access yeah. to a lot of money cards who could like maybe take one of these. If you're rich enough, paying like four to warp across the map might be pretty great. Fast. That is um, true. Yeah. Even secret decks. If you're blasting off a bunch of crack the cases, if you're drawing cryptic writings and playing it, if you're getting money off of a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I mean, again, if you're if you're rich enough, like this is a pretty good way to spend money. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and if you're you know if you're like a seeker with an off class, if you're like min and you're like I'm gonna play drawing thin, which also gives me money, and then I'm gonna always have like yellow and red cards in play, and then maybe I'm also gonna play like a multi class card, so I have three in play. I mean, this is just this is just very good. I think it's just pretty. Again, shortcut's like one of the best cards in the game, and this is like similar to shortcut. It just costs more. Yeah. So. Seems seems good. Yeah, yeah. I I do like that this card exists, but yeah, synergy. I, I guess big money and synergy seems fine to play it in. Yeah. All right. I also like the art a lot. Kind of. I wish it was a little more colorful, but I guess that's it's just kind of Antarctica. Also, I don't think this is Antarctica. There's way too many no. trees here. Yeah, there's, there's also horses. There's a yeah, large there's a horse number of arts that are like <laughs> seem like they're like North it, North America. Uh, you know, I'm really um, interested. I'm really interested to see what is 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 this like a fake out where like only the first scenario of ends of the Earth is, Earth is Antarctica, and then we go to like well, northern Canada we, or something. We, we go there and we find probably a hole in the ground, and we like trip into oh. an accident, and then we you know fall through the planet. Obviously, no. Then know. then we play it, join the caravan, and teleport to Greenland. And then, <laughs> there, something like that. All right, let's move on to the next next card, which is uh, survey the area. It is a level one seeker skill. Uh, practiced expert. Well, survey the areas in your hand or commit to a skill test. It gains intellect icons equal to your agility and agility icons equal to your intellect. Um, so we've seen, we've talked about a couple of similar cards like this already. Um, I don't know, what do you guys think of this? It's intellect and agility combo. So that's kind of good for once we've mentioned our secrets we mentioned already that, that use agility. Yeah, um, like... I it's, mean, I it, played this in Ursula. It's really a ton of icons. So many icons. 
it's like pretty obvious if you're the deck that should play this card or not right yeah. like if you yeah, if yeah. you're going to be evading stuff and get in investigating and if you have like say a four in both of those stats um like yeah if you're you know ursula or monterey jack or uh, trish uh then maybe you want to play one of these and if not don't don't play it play something else i mean the thing about it is it's not even that terrible for like a one of or a two of for defensive stats if you're in like hard mode and you're like mandy this is giving you five agility icons on a test that that might do like three or four damage or something like that and so it's not it's not your base so you know any static boosts mean it's even it's even like a practice card for practice makes perfect like that also is kind of ridiculous in its own way yeah i I almost feel like I might rather bank the XP and get an Eye of Truth, maybe. But like, yeah, it's it's maybe worth worth thinking about, especially if you're like, if you're Mandy in kind of like a suboptimal, um, uh, forgotten age group where it's like, oh, no one's good at evading stuff. Like, yeah. All right, I guess totally. I'll play a couple of these. It, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could yeah. just play the pendant. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I like the direction that that this cast was going before uh, about three seconds ago. So thanks for that, Dan. I mean, they're they're going to taboo the appendant again, right? They they got to realize that. The uh, they already still they bad. already they already tried twice and they, it didn't really take. So I don't know if they're I mean, gonna. They maybe they'll ban it. You know, it's put it with. Is it better a better card or worse card than double or nothing, Dan? Uh, I got to think about that. <laughs> Does it break the game more or less than double or nothing, Ken? I mean, with double or nothing, you could do ten damage to something with a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's. I don't. I don't know. That's. I just. You know, Cthulhu's, Cthulhu's going to be running away scared if he knows you can do ten you can, damage with a shotgun. You can teleport you know? and evade like every turn for the whole game automatically. That is. That is pretty good. That I don't know. It's a. It's a tough one. Let's. Let's make a poll for our listeners to vote in at some time, maybe. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, anything else to say about survey the area, or should we? Uh, I mean, I think it? that Ben. Ben, we might not want to go down this rabbit hole. I don't know how big it is, but like. There's a weird interaction with Amanda, right? And that she just can't play this card if it's under her. Yeah, right. Because it's only when it's only when it's in your hand or command to the skill test that uh, you get icons. And when it's underneath Amanda, it does not have yeah. icons, and you can't commit to the skill test if it has no icons on it. Midas um, Dream in the chat is talking about that too. It, it, yeah. Isn't yeah. that also the case with? Didn't we see one of these earlier that was also practiced mm-hmm. and it had this? We had a similar discussion. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, it's think kind people... of too bad, but like, there's plenty of other cards you can play in Amanda. You don't really need totally. those. Yeah, it's possible that's unintentional, but you know, that's how it is right now. Definitely. I don't. I don't know that Amanda needs it. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that right now. My, my, she's my note, fine. My note on this was gonna be um, the survivor one. I think is combat willpower, and I had that on my list for Daniela to put in because I was like, oh yeah, we'll play hard mode, and that's a giant boost to combat or willpower as you know defensive stat and an offensive stat i just never had you know never thought to fit into the deck so i kind of feel like this might fall into that case like it's not a high priority upgrade you probably already have other cards that can boost your stats enough um it's it's like it's what i've been saying about like why the cantrip skills are really good because they at least cycle and give you a new card like it's just really hard to put a card in your deck that all it's going to do is help you pass one test where you have to commit it in advance right like you you probably have slots for a couple of those but they have to be really good so you have to compare this against like promise of power if you can play that eye of truth if you have enough xp for that you have to commit you have to compare this to like a lot of other and and it is good like you definitely might end up playing this in the decks that we mentioned but you just there's enough cool cards in the game now that you don't have a lot of slots for cards like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think Survey of the Areas definitely gets better, like most cards, I guess. 
because it gives such like a ridiculous amount of stats if you're specifically a seeker or a rogue or both that lucky cigarette case in your deck makes it extra like kind of argument for it because of the fact that it just gives you so many symbols when you're when you're committing it to it yeah i mean you played the rogue one in winnie uh but that one just gives question marks right yeah so that that was kind of good there that's but, also with Winnie, you're like, just give me all of the green skill cards, because I need true. all of them, and there's not yeah. that many of them. <laughs> Literally anything with a question yeah. mark on it, I will I will throw at tests. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Opportunist, watch this, anything. Um, sure. Let's uh, let's go for the next card, though. So we have an upgrade to medical texts, which is hey. from all the way back in the core set. Uh, so this is now, it's, it's called medical text. It's a two-cost, level two seeker asset. It's got an intellect icon and a combat icon. It is still an item in a tome, and it says, Action, choose an investigator at your location and test Intellect 2. If you succeed, heal one damage from that investigator. Two damage instead if you succeed by two or more. If you fail, either exhaust medical texts or deal one damage to that investigator, and it takes up a hand slot. So the differences from the original one are, um, if you succeed by two, you can heal two damage instead of one. And if you fail, instead of dealing one damage to the investigator, you can instead choose to exhaust it. Uh, which it doesn't even say if it's not exhausted, but I guess that's just kind of a built-in thing where you can't activate exhausted things or something. Oh, no, I, I guess if you fail again, you would have to choose damage because you couldn't exhaust an already exhausted card. Right, you could yeah, you could definitely still activate this if it was exhausted. Um, so, so, like, so like once per turn, you can fail without hurting somebody. Yeah. But if you fail a second time in the same turn, then you have to choose to, to do damage to them. I believe I have been killed by my good friend Colin with this card. <laughs> Uh, with the several, new one? several no no the original one several years ago um, I, I so, definitely also had somebody i think oh. uh, get stabbed multiple times by medical texts it's always a possibility <laughs> yeah you don't yeah um, uh, this is the so, sharpest of the books actually so the scariest one healing is like it's kind of tough usually to put a, a whole card that you have to like pay and spend money on and then also spend actions to activate just to heal somebody especially as a seeker where you personally are probably not taking that much damage so it would be like i have a mark or a daniella or something in my group and i'm going to be able to get a lot of value from this but if you're in that situation the original medical text was not very exciting because spending an action to heal one is pretty bad spending an action to heal two and even being kind of safe if you like draw draw auto fail is definitely a lot better so this is kind of kind of cool actually maybe i don't know I think that it's good for the things that you know you're going to be taking damage in. Like, obviously, we just played through Innsmouth on hard mode, and honestly, that you take a lot of damage and horror from that just because you're like engaging with deep ones. They're getting, you know, they they get all that random auto damage in. The chaos tokens sometimes will just randomly give you damage because you're holding a key. They'll just slap you upside the face. And like, uh, not circle and done. Uh, Forgotten Age. Forgotten Age is another one that you just oh arrows in the trees. Okay, well. At least I have a medical text, right? Yeah, the thing you got to remember, though, is just that remember that any damage that doesn't kill you is like you're just using a resource and it doesn't really cost you anything. Like, until you're dead, taking damage doesn't... It, it sounds like a tautology, but like... <laughs> oh, healing, does it healing, make you stronger? Like, like, healing doesn't do any good unless you were going to die if you didn't heal yourself, right? Unless you're somebody like Mark or Daniela or other characters who can, like, choose to play more aggressively and take more damage to get value out of it. Um, or like Agnes with horror is kind of like this. Oh, parallel so, Agnes. Uh, yeah, parallel parallel Agnes, sure. But if you're just like a normal character, like again, if you put healing cards in your deck and then you don't need them to stay alive, those cards basically did nothing for you. Sure, mm-hmm. I think that as as far as like tomes go, 
Daisy is the one that I would play this in. And I would I would happily play this in a deck where if you're going through the Forgotten Age and your friends are Mark and or Peril Agnes, and you've got some other incentive to play this, I think this is a really good card in that circumstance. But outside of that circumstance, I don't know. Like, there's so many other things that you could spend 2xp on that would just be way more relevant than this. Yeah, I'd I'd play, if it was like a Daisy-Mark duo, I'd probably play one copy of this. It'd be fun. Yeah, could also use it to troll Calvin and heal his damage, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, scratch that. Reason number four, if you've got a Calvin in your deck, you can threaten him with your medical text. I'm helping, I'm helping, (laughs) I'm helping. I've got a free action every turn to make your life miserable. I feel like... I feel like Calvin would play. There must be like a four XP survivor card that just says like you fail the next test, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's so good! It makes your take heart work all the time." And Calvin would like commit that to you just to make sure that you fail and do a damage instead of healing him. Yes. No. No. Yeah. But um, that's how survivors work, right? Like you spend like a bunch of XP and money to like intentionally fail a test so that you can commit take heart or something. Yeah. Yeah. No. Comment. Comment in chat. Actually, brings up another good point. We're going to be talking about the weaknesses in this set later. But if you also have one of those weaknesses that's really annoying and you're, you know, just a seeker on like solo or something like that, or or again, if you're playing through Forgotten Age and somebody has one of these weaknesses, that could also be a good reason because these new weaknesses are really kind of annoying. They vary, but some of them are just absolutely ridiculously annoying to deal with. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my main review of this card is I'll maybe play it in Daisy. Uh, Peril Daisy like wants to have a bunch of tomes too as well, right? So maybe she wants to have one upgraded version in her deck. Um, I'm also infuriated that uh, the revised the revised core set came out with new art for medical texts, and this does not have the new art for medical texts on ben, it. Ben, we talked it's, about this. Brief. It'll be all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing I'm picturing Ben like a like you know in in the fugitive where they like find the house where Harrison Ford was staying, and on the desk they find like. Oh, he was eating oranges and he was making a fake ID. There's like a razor blade and like parts of like an sure. ID because he like cut and pasted his photo onto someone else's ID. I'm picturing Ben like hunched over a table, like surgically removing the art from an extra copy of the new course set and like carefully pasting it on here or something. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next card. Well, the next card is another uh, a welcome back here. Um, we've got Unearthly Ancients again. Hello. Um, it is a level zero. I mean, level two. Sorry. The original was level zero. Uh, this is a level two seeker event. Costs zero to play now, as opposed to the original's one. Has two intellect icons and an agility icon on it, as opposed to just two intellect icons. And the new one reads, uh, investigate. Choose up to two seeker assets in your hand. The difficulty of the skill test is equal to the combined cost of the to- chosen assets. If you succeed, put the chosen assets into play one at a time. For each relic asset you put into play, by this ability, draw one card. So the difference being here with the effect is that uh, you can choose two instead of one, and uh, the difficulty is the combined cost of the assets instead of just the singular uh, asset cost. And if you succeed, you can put them into play one at a time. You can draw as many cards as the cards that you put in play, essentially, if they're relics. So um, again, kind of hard to justify there, there are there are additional differences, right? It's free instead of costing one. Also yes. means it works. Yes. Also means it works with Jeremy. And not <laughs> only that, you still get a clue even if you even if you uh, succeed, right? The other one is like you get to play the asset instead of getting a yeah. clue. This one, 
Oh, and I didn't and that. what's more, it completely overrides the shroud of the location. Right. Right. So if you if the place has oh. like ten shroud for some reason, and you pick two cheap assets, this might actually be an easier test than getting a clue. I don't know how often that's going to be relevant, but it's funny to think about. I know. I was going to say, well, like, what are the cheapest relics that you could play off of this? If you have like a tooth of Esli, and then like, is there something that just costs like one or something, so that the test could be actually be reasonable? And you draw two cards, get a clue. And put those you know, things out. Uh, Dane, Dane, there's actually there's there's a relic that I that I kind of like that I got to play recently over in uh, in Minnesota. Oh, you're um, right, only, Crystallizer of Dreams. It only relic, that only cost. No, I'm thinking of a Seeker uh, relic. <laughs> it's, it's cost one. Uh, I mean, playing it is fast, so this doesn't really save you that much uh, money or anything. But uh, I mean, Segment of Onyx is what I'm talking about. That happens to be a relic. <laughs> so you could you could put two of those into play for, for investigating with basically Shroud two and draw two and cards. And they replace themselves. It sounds all right, you know. I mean, yeah, I was trying to look up a list quick. The uh, like the Forgotten Tome and the Ancient Stone are both pretty cheap, but you know, uh, most of the relics are kind of kind of expensive for secret ones. At I least. Um, I always like it when they take a card that is like pretty bad, and they fix like they they make it better on kind of like every dimension, and without making it like it goes on. It's two XP is like not that much, right? Compared to like sometimes they make something like level four so i kind of like that they they put like a real strong effort into making this good and i think it's like kind of a neat card now i'm not sure if i'm gonna like put it in all my secret decks but uh i'm, I'm sort of maybe excited to like try to find a deck that would want to play it now which i wasn't I mean, which i wasn't before i mean so the card that i was thinking about playing or the the deck that i was thinking about playing this in earlier was ursula because you can trigger this off of her free investigate right when you move somewhere you can play this card and then you know, for fast, you can do whatever kind of sure. secret BS that you want to throw. You can also trigger it off of a card that we haven't discussed yet that we'll discuss in a couple weeks, probably. Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously, symbols are great for uh, for Crystallizer of Dreams, although it doesn't trigger with Crystallizer of Dreams because Crystallizer of Dreams is a green card. And this specifies that it needs to be a yellow card. Yeah, it is really too bad that you, I don't think you really want to play this for non-relics unless you... Yeah have really i mean i mean like there are secret decks that are really good at just having like 15 intellects when they investigate for like uh archaic glyphs or whatever right so this could be a way to like use that same high passing test power to like play stuff but it's eh, it's kind of messy but uh being able to draw cards off of them is kind of cool i don't know like i said i still think this is like kind of a weird card that's kind of hard to find what deck it goes in but it's at least like at least the numbers on it are pretty good now I mean, it's a card yeah, that does there. a lot of stuff like a little bit better, which kind of always makes it, those ones weird, right? So it's like, oh, it helps yeah. you play stuff and draw cards and investigate a different thing. It's just a lot going on. Um, so I think it makes it hard to fit into something. But if you do like a relic heavy Ursula or something, you know, you know, give it a try. Yeah. Uh, so let's look yeah, at the <laughs> next card. Uh, so we got. A level three scientific theory. So it's a yeah, level three cost zero asset. Um, two intellect, two combat icons, talent, composure, uh, fast, limit one composure in play. You get plus one intellect and plus one combat. Non-direct damage and horror must be assigned to scientific theory before it can be assigned to your investigator card. Free trigger, spend one resource you get plus to get plus one intellect or plus one combat for the skill test. One health, two or three sanity on it. So this is the last of the upgraded composures. Um, so just like all the other ones, it's cheaper. 
uh, has more icons on it, and it gives a passive gives a passive plus one to each stat, and has both health and sanity. One of which it has like something can actually soak. Yeah, right. I mean, um, super cool for combat, Amanda. Right? Uh, super cool for Joe. <laughs> Joe Diamond. Yeah, loves both Joe, these stats. Joe Diamond is really who I was thinking of because, well, I think you want to the the ideal deck that would play this is you would want to have you'd want to boost both your intellect and your combat. You would have some other reliable thing in your deck that can soak health or soak damage. Um, you would have enough money to like activate it sometimes, um, and you can play level three secret cards. So yeah, Joe Diamond I think could definitely play it, especially if he has like Alice. Alice has two health; she she yeah. can soak a little bit. Or Jeremy, uh, you could do Jeremy Jeremiah Kirby Joe, and who who has extra health. Um, it's too bad Roland can't play it because that would be kind of cool. Yeah, um, I was just the, gonna say that. The Amanda thing is interesting. May, like maybe I, like Amanda. Uh, I mean, even even if she puts it under herself, right? She she just gets like two combat stats, raw or intellect, which allows her to yeah make, investigate on her off turns. It, it, it's a fair point. I mean, I think if you're it, I like ideally you want to put like vicious blow or deduction or perception or, or overpower totally. under Amanda when you're doing stuff. But like, yeah, this is this is well, something I mean, you can do with Amanda. You cycle a deck so fast that even if this gets trashed, exactly. you'll just play it in a turn or two again. Anyway, that's, that's also, the thing. Yeah, that's totally Joe true. Can't boast that, right? Yeah, I think you. I think you've talked to it. I think you've talked me into it. I think like hybrid Amanda or combat Amanda. I definitely would play this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. You you would definitely want to have. Uh, I feel like you just you wouldn't want just some random incidental damage to like immediately wipe it out. I mean, it's not that bad, but um, yeah. I mean, in Amanda, you're drawing so many cards. Maybe you're just not even supposed to care if that happens. Yeah, yeah, seems cool. Yeah, uh, not much else to say about that, I guess. So let's move it's on about, to. <laughs> I feel like I definitely have to give that hybrid Amanda. I could try at some point next time we do like a two-player game or something. Maybe that's what I have to do. You're gonna be combat Amanda. Or yeah, well, hybrid. The hybrid Amanda. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, you can just you go. You could just play that in solo, Dan. Like. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. Fair let's, enough. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, right. let's move on though to uh, oh god, so much next. <laughs> Uh, archive of conduits strap yourselves in folks this goddamn octopus man is just staring at me like look at all these words you have to read um okay so so this is the like uh this is there is there is now a researched keyword which is different from research right that which is there's now like an official term for the like secret cards where you have to do you have to do some kind of like side quest and then you can upgrade right. them into some one of several choices of like a, a different card. So the level zero version is Archive of Conduits, Seeker Asset, Cost 2, Level 0, 1 Intellect Icon. It's an item, a tome, and a cult. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, wild icon. Uh, limit one per deck. As an additional cost to play this asset, place one resource on four different locations as ley lines. Reaction, after you successfully investigate a location with a ley line, exhaust this asset, move that ley line onto this asset. Then, if there are four ley lines on it, discard it, take its ley lines as resources, and record in your campaign log that you have identified the gateway. Takes up a hand slot. So, you have to, when you play this, you have to mark four locations as ley lines, and then you have to, you basically have to investigate each of those locations successfully, and then you get, you gain four resources and you've like completed the quest, kind of, right? Yeah. Like that's a pretty mild quest compared to some of the other ones, because especially if you get down earlier in the game, it's like, oh, I just pick four locations. I'm gonna go get clues from anyway. Uh, yeah, it does. It does exhaust, which is a little annoying, um, because that means you couldn't like get two of them off in one turn. But uh, well, but 
but it doesn't okay that yeah that's part of the cost is exhausting yeah. it yeah. yeah but but even still yeah it's not that hard to do this i think it's kind of like middle of the road or maybe a little bit better compared to the other sort of research uh things you have to do um especially if you're somebody like uh if you're playing all these movement cards we've talked about like join the caravan or if you're ursula or monterey jack or somebody like you're going to be able to do this um so then the uh the upgraded versions they're all uh, I'm just going to read one of them, and then I'm going to talk about what's different. So uh, it cost four, level four, has two combat icons or some other symbol, plus a wild icon. It's a ritual, and it says, researched, uh, uses four ley lines, limit one per deck. Um, it has... Okay, so this this is where they're all basically different, right? <laughs> this is where there's a bunch of yeah. Uh, it's different for each one. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, but 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 here here's what they all have. They all have a fast trigger to move a ley line from this asset to some enemy or location or investigator, and then they have like an action you can do to do something involving those ley lines. So mm-hmm. the combat one, gateway to Tindalos. The fast trigger is move a ley line from this asset to a non-elite enemy, and the action is choose an investigator and an enemy with a ley line at a revealed location. That investigator moves to that location. You may remove the ley line to deal one damage to that enemy. So you can swap an investigator with an enemy at a revealed location, and if you remove the ley line, you can deal a damage to the enemy. The intellect one, the gateway to Acheron, the fast trigger is you move a ley line to a revealed location. And the action is choose an investigator in a revealed location with a ley line. That investigator moves to that location. You may remove the ley line to have them take an investigate action. The agility one, gateway to Aldebaran, um, fast trigger, move a ley line to a non-elite enemy. Action, choose an investigator engaged with an enemy with a ley line. That investigator disengages from that enemy and moves to a connecting location. You may remove the ley line to automatically evade that enemy. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. And the willpower one gateway to paradise. Uh, my paradise is going to be not having to read these cards anymore. <laughs> uh, fast trigger, move a ley line to an investigator and action. Choose an investigator with a ley line. That investigator draws one card and heals one damage or horror. You may remove a ley line to have them instead draw two cards and heal two damage or two horror. Wow. Uh, and so, so all the upgraded ones are also uh, arcane slots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They take up an arcane slot. So it's four to play. Interesting. They, the 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 kind of like common theme is that you basically like move someone through space to a place with a ley line, or like they already have a place with a ley line. Although not all of them do that because I guess the gateway to paradise doesn't. They interact um, with enemies. Like you, you have these four uses, and you put them yeah, on a, a location yeah. or an enemy or whatever, and you then have an action where you pick an investigator to interact with that in some way, right? I'm um, I'm honestly just inclined to say like these cost a lot of XP. They're probably fairly good, or at least some of them are. But like it's just, the mental energy to figure out what they do <laughs> and to decide to put one of them in my deck is like, you know what, life is too short. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think they're cool. Uh, the ones that like move the investigator across the map could be pretty powerful. Oh like a lot of these are like choose an investigator and move them somewhere. Um, and we just talked about that with uh... yeah, <laughs> whatever card. We... <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Pen of the Queen, but also whatever card we talked about. Like, for... Yeah, Story of the Caravan. Yeah. Um, or moving across the map is very powerful. Uh, especially for big maps. There's rumors that Edge of the Earth has a bunch of real big maps. Um, 
So, and, you know, even the Innsmouth, like, so, being able to move around so, is really strong. So, so like, the gateway to Akron, the, um, the, the, uh, intellect one, mm-hmm. you could, you can, like, just play this, and then once you kind of get to the part at the end of the scenario where you need to race to the resign location, like, once someone gets there and reveals it, or maybe it's already revealed when it comes into play, which happens a lot, mm-hmm. you put a ley line there, and then you can, like, click, 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 move three people there this turn or something, Right. right? And if you're like, if you're, it's, I guess it's not a tome anymore, so you can't be Daisy and like get an extra action to use it, which is kind of too bad. But, um, I mean that, that could be really powerful. It's just kind of situational, but it, it could be really good. Um, the other one, like the one that, uh, the ones that deal with enemies feel kind of like maybe okay. they would be, maybe they would be good in solo mode, you know, cause yeah. maybe you could play this and it would be like a movement card that can also deal with enemies sometimes. Yeah. I think that, so couple points here the first one is that um these aren't spells which i was kind of upset about because knowledge is power to make these incredible um at least better than they are right now but knowledge is power does not work on rituals so that's mm. really unfortunate the second yeah. thing comrade uh in chat or, or um midas in chat rather uh stated that this i think the archive of conduits the gateway to paradise it can actually be used in carolyn and that Carolyn has this weird interaction with um, one of the other ones where if she takes that shrewd dealings card or, or it's like a, it's True a yellow permanent. Uh, she, yeah. She's only, yeah, that's she, a good the point. The only option for her to upgrade into is this one. So if you take archive conduits on Carolyn oh. and then you upgrade into this, you can get well, a free copy of it for four experience, right? Well, not quite though. Cause unfortunately these are all limit one per deck. So you, okay, can't, well, you that, cannot get two is, copies of them, which is a big is, weakness on them. Um, it is pretty uncool, honestly. And it's also like, why? Like, it's not like these are so good that it would be bad to have two of them or something. You know what it probably was? They probably didn't want to print two copies of four of them for the investigator box. That's exactly that's it. absolutely <laughs> what it was. There's, there's definitely <laughs> one copy of each of these. In the, in the, that's a thousand yeah. percent what it is. Uh, uh, look, but, we, we, we can't be printing eight eight of these or, or ten of these if you include the original one. Uh, I, I, I assume they didn't want to make it so – because you could play one and then if you played a second copy – You'd have eight eight ley lines in play or something, and maybe that that was probably way too good. But they didn't want, and they didn't have room to put hex to us, like when this leaves play, remove the ley lines because it's because it's just like it, this would just be honestly pretty great for Carolyn. It, it still is really because it still is yeah. The, the fact that it works on any space, you don't have to be at mm-hmm. someone's location to use this on them. Like okay, you you get four ley lines, so you could just put a ley line on everybody, and yeah. then. You know, even if you don't use up the ley lines, you whenever you want, you can spend an action to basically heal a horror off of somebody, give them a card and a resource because of Carolyn, oh, which yeah. is pretty great. Or with her um, uh, with her signature, it's two horror, right? Uh, yeah, if she has yeah. if she has that out, right? So like this is it, it's an excellent Carolyn card. It's just it really is too bad you can only have one of them. Yeah. Um, it's also yeah when we talk about the weaknesses, the fact that this can heal one damage or one horror. It's relatively rare to pick a card that gives you that much flexibility outside of like guardian cards. So, if you know, this could be pretty good if you need to get rid of those weaknesses that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, yeah and and a lower true. and a lower player counts with this, you can put multiple ley lines on one investigator. So that means you absolutely could yeah. easily use the second effect when you need to. Right? There's no limit of one ley line, ley line per investigator. Oh so. yeah, you know what's actually really funny that the gateway to Tindalos doesn't exhaust so it looks like you could just like move four ley lines to an enemy and then do like a 
you know, the anime turn around and then blow them up with <laughs> by pulling the four anime the ley lines off of them at one point. I didn't realize that they didn't uh they didn't exhaust. You can just immediately distribute them to whoever or yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of good. But, uh, but, the, but the action to is only one per action to remove one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the limit yeah the limit one per deck thing is just really too bad. It's also if you're playing Carolyn, it's also a good well prepared target, I guess. I don't know if Carolyn bothers to play that, but you could. That's that's mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe that's called Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that, that that is that is what I was thinking of. So, I don't know. Let's uh just we already spent so much time reading the stupid text on this. Let's let's move, <laughs> let's move ahead. The next card is another card that we spoiled. Um, Professier Profana. It's a unique uh, level five seeker asset. As, at, I was going to say ass of the Ennoble. Atlas of the Ennoble. <laughs> <laughs> it costs four to play. It has two wild icons on it. It is an item, a relic, and its own. And it says while you are not at the locus, you get plus one uh, intellect and plus one agility, and you may ignore attacks of opportunity. Uh, and then as a reaction, after Professor Profana enters play, choose a revealed location. That location is the locus until Professor Profana leaves play. And then as an action, you can move any investigator to the locus and take the hand slot. Uh, so this card, when we spoiled it, we thought it was really good for, like, you know, obvious folks like Daisy, who could just kind of move anybody to the to the locus. And also the uh, the, the boosts are great um ursula could even consider taking it just because the static boosts are fantastic and also ignoring attacks of opportunity makes like absolutely no sense to put on a card anywhere but for whatever reason you could you could technically just take your turns with it with like five swarm of rats on you and they would literally couldn't do anything until enemy phase which is kind of weird and interesting but yeah really cool if if you're a fan of not playing with the taboo list and you want to sleight of hand this out, that might be kind of fun too, right? Because you could like each time you, because you could like just choose where do you want the locust to be this turn, right? Oh, that is good. Um, the other thing I was thinking is if there's there's not a lot of kind of like what you would call in Magic like blink effects in this game where you get to kind of like blink your assets, but uh, if we start to see any of those. Um, like, like I know, so like Abigail Foreman, she can like move your books between your slots and her, but they don't leave play. So I don't think that would reset right. it. No. But if you have, if there's like kind of like a calling in favors kind of a thing for hand slots at some point, Isn't maybe that, that a, would be fun to like, what's a library person or something. Yeah. That's why yeah. I mentioned it. Uh, uh which one did? There's like a level one seeker at ally who like, when they come into play, they return a tome to your hand. Oh yeah, which is, which and, is meant for recharging the Necronomicon. But like, you yeah, can do you, that. that's kind of yeah, a yeah, exactly. And it's also, I mean, yeah, it is, it is a tome, so you can search for it. This would be because it's a relic. It's like a pretty good thing to play the um, unearth the ancient sun or something like. Like, it does have synergy with a lot of things. I feel like it's just this is like not quite what you want to spend five XP on, probably. Like even even if you really wanted to move everybody around, um, just playing playing like the archive of conduits we just talked about the is like maybe a more maybe a better way to do that because you don't have to like with this unless you have some way to bounce it and like choose a new locus you're kind of just like locked into picking one particular place right when you play it but uh i don't know i mean it it it, it it's definitely a powerful effect right yeah yeah and, i mean the discussion is like even if you're just using it for the first part like the plus one agility and ignoring aos um like, is it worth is it worth the four money and five XP just for that part? Because... And, and a hand slot, like yeah. 
I mean, maybe like like Monterey Jack, maybe because because I feel like maybe just being able to like if Monterey Jack is playing knowledge is power anyway, mm. then maybe just being able to like instantly boop yourself somewhere and like definitely get a card and a money and like maybe do mm. something. I, I don't know. But it is it is yeah. a hand slot, right? Like you could just play magnifying glass, right? That already gives yeah, you yeah. the intellect. Blue, yeah, so. if, if you're not if you're looking for more than just int, so it's the attacks opportunity thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Can Trish? It's no, a, Trish, Trish can't use this. So. It's it's a neat yeah it's a neat card. It's just like who is who is going to want to pay five XP for it? I don't know, but I'm it's it's not crazy to think about it. Yeah, it also has a weird it, there's some weird rule stuff on it. Like, what if you pick a location that like leaves play, then you just do. Does it turn off because there's no locus anymore, or is it just always on? I, I think so. Like the look, the you you now have a pointer that's been dereferenced. Like there's no, uh, you know, you try to teleport but, there. It's like playing Axiom Verge. You just end up like in. But you're also not one, at the locus, you know. And you can just move all your friends oh, 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 to like oh, oh, the end or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if there's no locus, you're not at the locus. You still get the top part of it. So yeah, yeah. That, that's well, the thing. Like it's usually. If all you want is the is the passive stuff, it's pretty easy to just pick a location that you're never going to go to, and then mm-hmm. you probably just get it all the time. So yeah, that's yeah. actually really funny. Midas in chat also brought up uh, library docent, and uh, you definitely don't take the AOO for playing the docent because you're playing it while this is out. <laughs> so you can play that the docent to pull the profeshe profana back to your hand for whatever reason you're wanting to do that for. Kind of neat to move the locus. Yeah, around. yeah. All right. I, the only thing I remembered about this card, since we previewed it, is this was the answer to one of the trivia questions <laughs> in the, in well, the pub right. trivia, and I only remembered it because I was like, "Oh man, it's uh, it's they're on a boat." <laughs> the question was like, "Which which, uh, which book have been found at the ocean or something?" Oh, which is why right. you see the ocean out the window. In <laughs> because the everybody, yeah. when we spoiled, when we were kind of like teasing the card, everybody was like, "Oh, it's it's totally the sextant. It's the sextant for Silas that does stuff." And then and then it was definitely not that. Well, I think this I think this appears in one of the in some story because the question was something about like, "Oh, who did what did uh so and so find in the ocean? Which which book?" And I was like, "It's this because there's water in it in a sextant." Oh, Abigail. <laughs> yeah, Abigail. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Yeah, All right. I mean that's that marks the end of the colored cards, right? There were the mono colored cards for the yeah, set. There's, so, there's still a lot more colors. Uh, it's the end of the colored cards for this for this this podcast, though. So okay. let's jump into the neutral cards. We got five of them. Uh, first one up. The first one is in the thick of it, Dane. Um, this is a permanent, uh, no cost, uh, neutral asset, uh, level zero. It is a curse, permanent, uh, limit one per deck, purchase at deck creation. When you purchase in the thick of it, suffer two total physical and or mental trauma, then earn three experience. Um, so we've already, uh, some of us already built decks using in the thick of it um, yeah. and have some strong opinions on it. I'm pretty sure Dane hates it and Dan loves it. Is that correct? That That's the opposite <laughs> of what this, what this, this dealio I is. I, I don't hate it. When I saw this card, I was just like, oh, look, a card that's going to go in every single deck that I ever make for the rest of time. And so and did far, it? Did it? that has not panned out. But I will still stand by, like, if if you are a person who just, is just going to put this in every single card deck, I would not blame you. I would be like, you know what? Do it, because this card is absolutely absurd to, to have printed. But... Absurd in a good way, because I think that it opens a lot of really interesting avenues for investigators who really need specific cards to flourish on their first, like, you know, scenario or something like that. And if you're playing in a harder difficulty, it might be reasonable to get this to, like, just specifically get some stuff that'll help you stay alive 
or help you like synergize with another investigator in a specific way. It just opens up a lot of really cool options. Don't talk to me about versatile, but it talks, it, it really just like opens up a lot of interesting uh, options for investigators on their first time going out. Yeah, it is. It is nice, especially for the new edge of the earth investigators who have the kind of weird deck building where they only have like five cards for their kind of like a uh, off class spot at level zero. Um, having this from the beginning can make your upgrade path kind of neater. Um, and, and yeah, who doesn't who doesn't love getting extra XP at the beginning of a campaign, right? So I mean, uh, all all of that is certainly true. I think there's a lot of decks where you definitely should not take this. I think if you're playing like Mark or Daniela, you should not take this. Um, I or I don't know, maybe Daniela, maybe, but like basically, if you are gonna use your health or sanity as a resource, probably you shouldn't take this card. Um, or or at least you should like think really hard. Like if you're Agnes, you should think like. Do I want to take this or Arcane Research? Because like Arcane Research is probably better than this to take two of those. And I definitely don't want to take both because I don't want to start with like four sanity or whatever remaining, right? But what if you're yeah. Carolyn and you want to immediately yeah, do all that sanity? Yeah, that's, it's, <laughs> that's it's fair. Thing. If you have if, a Carolyn in your group and you can you can play this on Carolyn, immediately have two horror to heal. If you have if you know that there's gonna be a Carolyn in your group who's gonna who's gonna be sucking up all your horror anyways, it's just gonna be like I mean, I might as well, right? Like, just throw to a think, horror on me, dog. I think if you are Carolyn, this is, like, a no-brainer. If you're not Carolyn, you're really gambling that Carolyn is going to, like, find her horror healing stuff before she finds her weakness and be able to, like, get to you and heal your horror before you just draw Rotting Remains and die. So, <laughs> I don't... I mean, that's it, if you're, like, Joe... That's if you're, like, Roland, Roland or somebody. Or somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I would still be cautious, even if you have Carolyn in your group. But, yeah, that does kind of push you towards taking it. Yeah, 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 and also like I, I what I, I did take this in Winnie in our in our Innsmouth run, and that's just because all of the starter deck investigators have ridiculous amounts of health and sanity. Mm. Like they, they, they just have that's more true. than usual. So like, kind of knocking them down one and one is actually kind of fine because yeah, that's now true. they're just down to normal investigator stats, and <laughs> and you also get the bonus of having like you know boxing gloves on or upgraded boxing gloves on that or whatever. Yeah, I think investigators that have less card options uh in their deck building tend to have higher stats at the front of their card so yeah it's also if you're playing friggin calvin i mean sure go ahead and take it right <laughs> you're obviously, you're obviously gonna take this there we so. go not the person i expected to bring it up but there we go it's, it's always there looming over us the calvin conundrum <laughs> you know um yeah, yeah. My, my rule of thumb is is like if that three experience is going to give you a net gain on like your ability to complete the scenario faster such that you would not take you know it makes up for taking that extra damage and horror each scenario then it's worth picking up but if it doesn't actually net gain you like if that three experience isn't enough to net gain you like a, a whole round or something or help you avoid taking taking extra damage and horror then it's not worth it yeah yeah it- you're going to need to like if you're going to ever need to like put cards in your deck to heal yourself or protect yourself that you wouldn't have otherwise had to play because you took this trauma that probably means you shouldn't have taken it it's only if you can kind of like get a free ride like if you're playing standard in some campaign where you just like don't take a lot of damage or horror uh then like yeah sure or like dane said if you're playing an investigator that already has like high base health and sanity then great three free xp but just be careful because if you're somebody that like has if you're Mark who like, who like has only five sanity and like really wants to take a lot of damage, like effectively has like five and five, don't take this. Yeah. 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 Also, um, the dumb goofy thing to do with this is to get it at the beginning and then use it to get versatile right away. 
and then use versatile to, to, to get to get the other per- permanents that affect Yo. your deck building to, 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 uh, to mess everything so, up. That's I so mean, gross. So the, the reason, okay, there there is one kind of like important interaction that I'm still unclear on because I don't think it was defined at the time that I used it. But I made about eight decks with mm-hmm. with with rabbit hole down the rabbit hole and this card. That card is awful Dang. because because for the express purpose of like I wanted to test out alternatives to uh, to arcane research because down the rabbit hole is, is kind of like ostensibly the the another path that you can go down while or also worse. being able to take. It's like a worse version of Arcane Research. (laughs) And uh, the whole reason for that is because, like, Mystics just, like, upgrade cards a lot. There's There are not a lot of cards that you upgrade into that aren't, like, already in your deck. There are some, but, like, for the most part, you can make a pretty fine Mystic deck that will be able to benefit from this. The exception of this to this being, there are the new um, spell cards that just came out are a good example of this. Like Brand of Cthulhu, where the level, the, the lowest level version is level one. My thinking was that you can take in the thick of it, get those two Brands of Cthulhu or whatever spells that you want to like get that out of the way so you're not paying the penalty later for down the rabbit hole. My understanding was that this does work with rabbit hole because why would they print it in the same set, etc. But there's some weird specific like wording of of rabbit hole plus this that might make that not the case is what ben maybe was indicating yeah i i wasn't sure like i had an argument for both both how you saw it where you could use this to dodge the end of rabbit hole cost and also that you couldn't do it um i think i ended up leaning more towards it could help you dodge it but um also, that's an insane combination of cards. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, I'm not so sure. Ben, <laughs> I mean, Ben, let me let me tell you why. Because Mateo no, already starts with five experience. This puts him at eight experience. I uh, I think that like <laughs> if if we each sort of have like the one card that people in our group wish we would just stop playing already all the time, it's got to be like for Ben, I would nominate Let God Sort Them Out. <laughs> for, for Dane, I would nominate Rabbit Hole. For me, I would guess it's basically everything in that Mandy deck that I played it's, for. It's really <laughs> uh, I, I feel like you guys would probably love it if I it would practice makes perfect any, a little bit less any, too. But any seeker card, I love practice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, Dane Dane made Dane literally sent us like a dozen decks with Rabbit Hole in them, and it's just like, man, Rabbit Hole is terrible. Like of all the cards to like backflip over whatever, trying to make it work correctly, like just oh, I just don't. Is, I don't know. That card, I, that card's gonna be central to all of my skateboard tricks. You I are. saw a fun Zoe deck on Arco DV that like uh, had Rabbit Hole and and the green permanent, I think, and so she had like one of a bunch of stuff, and there was like twenty things she could upgrade in the deck or something. Still sounds sounds like so. shit, Ben. Sounds terrible. <laughs> this is what. I'm talking about let's uh it's, let's let's move on so it's just a it's a fun thought to you talking about this even more uh, <laughs> uh so the next card that we've got is heavy furs which is a neutral asset cost two level zero with a combat icon uh it's an item and armor and it says reaction after you reveal a non-auto fail symbol on a chaos token during a skill test you are performing deal one damage to heavy furs cancel that chaos token and return it to the bag reveal a new chaos token it has two health, no sanity, and it takes up the body slots. Uh, Dane played this in his Winifred deck in our recent Innsmouth run. Um, was it, I mean, Dane, you, it seemed like you were getting some value out of this with the Lonnie combo. Would you Would you ever play this if you didn't have Lonnie in your deck? <laughs> no, probably oh. not. Um, I mean, so here's the thing. It was printed in this set for a reason. I'm not going to get into the campaign spoilers because that would make Ben's ears bleed. But... Um, 
there is some interesting interactions with this as it pertains specifically to rogues because rogues like to succeed by a lot and theoretically you could like you know if you draw minus four and that would make you not succeed by two or something like that you can replace it again that could just auto fail you but you know there's ways that you can do cool things with it but like the fact that you can use this with Lonnie is kind of neat because you can kind of assign it damage if there's like a low priority test or something like that. Um, or if you draw a curse token and you don't really want to like go down that rabbit hole, you can, you can, you know, draw another thing. Um, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. And I think that's just kind of by the nature of the card it's not supposed to be super, super strong, but it is cool. And it kind of allows you to do like weird, like pseudo mystic type stuff. Right. Cause you, you're technically redrawing a token and that doesn't feel like something that other classes should be able to do. So that's kind of neat. I mean, I find it funny because it's this is like kind of close to Wendy's ability, right? Except it, it doesn't work on auto fails. Yeah, it's um, like the the, um, the, lucky but the dice, art right? pictures pictures like a very old man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it's a good it's a good contrast. Uh, yeah. Now, I mean, um, if you know you're gonna on hard mode, there's um, definitely tokens that are like kind of bad to draw um, that aren't necessarily. Sometimes they make you auto fail like in certain conditions, or sometimes they have some other bad effect that applies. So maybe in hard mode, if you are worried about dealing with those tokens and you don't want to like seal them or something, it could be good to have in there. Um, yeah, yeah. Like like hard mode, often by the end of the scenario, the skull is up to like a minus eight or something, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, that, and that's, they have and, more chaos tokens, right? Yeah. So so I I think like on hard mode, there's maybe an argument that it it would be useful for that reason if you can afford it and if you aren't using. I mean, there's not a whole lot of like great body slot items in the game, honestly. So it's not like there's a lot of competition. Um, on st- on standard, the fact that you can't cancel an auto fail basically means that this is that ability like does nothing for the <laughs> yeah. most part. Like, because because usually there's not any token that's so bad you like have to cancel it even if you'd pass. And usually, a, like a, if it's a test you really care about, you can probably get to the point where only the auto fail will actually wreck you. So on standard, uh, I wouldn't play it for its ability. But you know what? It is a two cost uh body slot thing that takes up that that soaks health which if you're not in colors that can play like leather coat or leather jacket maybe that's i, I mean you have other options right like even mystics you could play with, you could play the robes um or there's the trench coat even which like costs one more i think yeah but uh like if you're really desperate for something to soak uh health but without spending any xp like maybe it might be it might fit in a deck it's also kind of neat for like Yorick because he can replay it from the bin, you know. That's that's that true. Kind of yeah. It, well, I feel like he's going to have trouble having enough money to like keep replaying this. Like he really wants free things like the leather coat. That that is also true. I, I, also for Bob, like if you just have two of these in your deck, and and you know, like it, it's thematically cool for Edge of the Earth, right? Like when you're going to the Edge of the Earth campaign, if you've got a Bob, play too play too heavy first, so you can dish out some yeah. uh, well, hot. Heavy oh, uh, you guys you guys didn't bring a coat well what do you know well i, I got a deal for you well yeah and it's also with bob it's 50 percent off right because yeah. it's, it doesn't he make everything like one cheaper no if he has his signature out it's one cheaper but he yeah. could also he could have like a mr uh, whatever's catalog out to like pay for stuff I mean, <laughs> yeah it, it, it is cool. like when we talked about bob we said like you need a bunch of items that are kind of generically good that like anybody can use yeah this is like this isn't gonna like blow anyone's socks off it's not incredible but it's like it is pretty generally it's like sort of useful for everybody kind of yeah. and and, no, and most people are not going to have a body slot that's like oh sorry i can't take this because i'm already playing you know armor of ardennes or something right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, robes totally. of endless night you know 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also think the, the one last thing to point to uh, for this card is that th th this, this card art should be making Ben pretty happy, right? Because this might be like accurate art of, of Ben's like lost, long lost grandfather who combated the bears uh, at one point and oh, just ha like has murdered many bears and is now wearing their corpses. Um, Dude, that's that's not possible. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. Uh, let's let, let's move on. We, we only got a few cards left. Let's kind of power through this. It's the best card in the set, folks. It's here. It's Sled Dog. <laughs> this card costs three to play. It's a level zero neutral asset. Uh, commits for one combat for whatever reason. And uh, it is an ally and a creature. Uh, you may include up to four copies. Take it four. That's a lot of consistency right there. Uh, of Sled Dog in your deck. Up to two Sled Dog cards can take up a single ally slot. Uh, and then as an action, you can exhaust X Sled Dogs to move. Move X times. And then as a separate action, you can exhaust X slide dogs to fight. You get X plus X combat for this attack. Instead of the standard damage, this attack deals X damage. It has two health, two sanity, and it takes up your ally slot. This would be more fun I... if it was sled cats and you could get like, <laughs> you could, you, you could be, you could be like Ben and his girlfriend and you could get like eight of them. And then they would just no. they would, like each, each one you get, it would like make it worse. Like it would make your life harder. <laughs> uh, we have two cats. That's a very strict limit. Uh, <laughs> the previous location had like eight cats. Anyway, uh, I, people are really excited about this card, but it seems not very good. Uh, you have to play two of them for it to start yep. being efficient, right? Uh-huh. Um, and costs a lot. It, even, if, even if you want to play four of them to do like a super big move or super big attack, uh, that's a second ally slot because it's only two dogs per slot. Um, I'm wondering, is there an investigator in this game that has like inherently there's like you know another another ally slot somehow and maybe can play it cheaper at the beginning of the turn? I mean, Larry can play it, but even then, it's oh, still like two. Yeah. Like he's got other stuff that he wants to put in ally slots that aren't. No, yeah, like as, like Larry's not playing bad. any other allies. He's just going for these dogs. Like, well, so here's the I thing: he's already playing guard dogs. Is Why he? not have even more dogs? Because <laughs> at some point that uh, would become unmanageable. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> I, know. I mean, the ne yeah, the next card we're going to talk about also makes uh, dogs uh, heckin' puppers cost less. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, that's obviously the deck that Dane wants to do with this. Yeah, um, I guess, like, if you use the next card, which <laughs> and Larry, so that it costs you only one to play each dog, and you have extra ally slots because you have Mitch out or whatever, then you can get all four dogs out. Once you have all four dogs out, like, once per turn you do an action that does four damage, or you can move across the board. Like, it's not, a lot not of moves. once per turn. You have Inspiring Presence. To ready your dogs. Oh, okay. We're playing. We're playing again. Inspiring Presence now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so he already has a dog. These are this, more dogs. This is like a lot yeah. of hoops to jump through to have like a lightning gun that can also but, be like a like third tier seeker movement card. I mean, it's, Inspiring Presence only will exhaust one dog, so it doesn't really help you that's too much. A, that's a good point. Yeah. Because uh, you have to exhaust all of the dogs at once to get the big boost. At the f folks in chat are very pro this Dane, so I guess uh... Dane, Dane, if you if you hypothetically if you had to rate these dogs, say on a scale from one to ten, <laughs> what, what would what would you rate these dogs? I mean, every dog is a ten, right? Except for maybe chihuahuas. But like, I feel like uh, I feel like the scale should be normalized to so the average dog is like a five. I kind of feel like that's the whole point of rating things out of ten. Spoken <laughs> like a true cat lover. 
but I mean, or, like, or just someone that understands math. It's like either one of those things. You know? This is, I mean, this is like, this is a f- like realistically speaking, this is a fine ally. It's like nothing to. It, it does cool things what? that no other ally does. Uh, basically, uh, is why you play uh, it. And we're we're going to talk about another card I, in a second that makes it I, makes it also way cooler. I could but. see doing it in Larry, and especially if you know you're going to have like really giant maps that you need to be able to run across constantly. I just don't know if anyone else can justify like you just using you gotta get up. you gotta get through your whole deck. You gotta find and play like three of these at least, or it just sucks. It's just funny thing you say garbage. that because there's a neutral card that allows you to search your deck. For a copy of another card that you already have down, doesn't doesn't it's a that level like, two event? Doesn't that cost two and it like cost is one. level two? Co- cost level one, two. level two. You're, what, is, what is okay. the name of the card? Oh name? man, I don't it's a spell. It's a neutral spell. I, it has a I, woman walking up a spiral I know, staircase. I know what Dane's talking it. about. It was in Dream Eaters because it was with like the myriad like dream enhancing serum type stuff. I don't know, man. I mean, uh, yeah, I, this is like a very janky deck that I think a lot of people will enjoy. So that's that's cool. Like, I'm I'm happy that they're doing that with it. I kind of feel like maybe instead of printing four goddamn sled dogs, maybe they could have printed an extra copies of those conduits. Maybe, <laughs> uh, but you know, what what do I know? I'm just I'm just a grouch. I'm just a big old You're grumpus. Just so. a sneaker player. Yeah, I'm just a cat Resident person. What do I what, what do I know? Um, to be fair, I'm also a cat person. But Dane, like when I think of Edge of the Earth, I think of giant penguins. And sled dogs. Those if are the two prerequisites. If there was a penguin ally, I would be a lot more excited about that. Oh, they're not uh, going to be your ally. Dane, is there... Is, well, they could be. Dane, is there anything else you'd like to say about this card before we move along? Uh, I'm, I'm just excited dreamy. Uh, that's the card you're talking about. Um, yeah, you, you, can, you can play a dog and then lucidly dream about another dog. That's an exact copy of the dog that you already have out to get your other dog out. And if you're a rogue, you can double double that to get your a second dog off of that. I'm just saying, you, cer- you, you certainly could. Uh, <laughs> now, I, here, here, here's what I want to happen with this card. I want Dane to play his big fancy sled dogs deck with force turning, <laughs> and I want him to like turn one, draw two copies of sled dogs. You have to choose which one to discard, and then turn two, draw the other two copies. <laughs> I think that would be very. I think that would be very funny. Wow! <laughs> you wish misery upon me, man. That's so harsh. Uh, all right. Uh, so moving on. So the next card is a rod of animalism. Uh, it is a level one neutral asset, cost two with one willpower icon, item and a relic. Hey, it's a relic. Uh, you have relic. two additional ally slots, which can only be used to hold creature assets. Uh, reaction when you play a creature asset during your turn, reduce the asset's cost by one, and it takes up an accessory slot. Hmm. So one's got to be playing a lot of creatures to get some value out of this, huh? You know what I thought about this card <laughs> was like, I wonder if I could have fit it into my Daniela deck and kept my guard dogs, so that I could have done nonsense with the guard dogs to have them bite people and. <laughs> proc two it's, damage that was my thought on it I, it's really hard to find a deck that wouldn't rather have some other accessory slot other than this. <laughs> literally anything else it's, except it's, except dane's ridiculous sled dogs deck basically you can in the thick of it get one of these and a lucid dreaming and four sled dogs i mean larry can get it in a same amount of soak from all his allies so you know he doesn't care as much about the trauma um so you, you could do that, I guess. Is Wait. there any? Is there anyone other than Larry that you care about? 
Comrade Sim solved it. Okay, okay. You play this in Mandy. When you calling in favors, you trade your one favors. Yeah. sled dogs for two sled dogs. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like buy one get one free. But Dane, Mandy has access to Pendant of the Queen. Well, and then you also you also play <laughs> you you. you... <laughs> That's a really good point, Ben. I would like that um, card to go nowhere near you, sled dogs. Please. Well, you'd also you'd play aura shards. So each time a dog enters the field, you get to destroy an artifact or enchantment, right? So it's you know you bounce it with calling it favors. You're you're blowing up their soul ring, whatever. I you know, it's all. are going too long, and and like our minds are just devolving into <laughs> mad pupper lovers. Forty-seven. Anyway, rod of animalism. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're using sled dogs, seems worth grabbing if you're trying to do sled dogs. Maybe in Larry. What, are there other creatures? There's guard dogs? What else is a creature? There's cats. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's Miss Doyle but, and the cats. Patrice can notably play as many cats as anybody, I guess, and you can do that. You can do Cat Mom Patrice also with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, if, if, if you lean hard into the creature, then yeah. Obviously, whichever one of those decks you play first is going to really, really choose your alignment between Jeremy and MJ, because one of them is definitely a cat mom. The other one is definitely a dog dad. So, you know, you've been warned. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> there are a lot of dogs in the set, and, you know, Jeremy did help design it. Are there any cats? Were there any cats so far? No. I mean, I think I think Dream Eaters was like the cat set, and this is yeah. the dog set. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's fair. Um, All right. All right, so yeah, let's let's move on to the last neutral card. So this is a call for backup. It's a neutral event, cost one, level two, with a wild icon. It's a favor and a synergy, and it says one at a time in any order. If you control a uh, rogue card, you may move to a connecting location. Guardian card, deal one damage to an enemy at your location. Seeker card, discover one clue at your location. Mystic card, heal one horror from any card. And uh, Survivor card, heal one damage from any card. Before we discuss this uh, mechanically, Ben, I have, a, I have a little question for you. Not a rules question. Uh, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how annoyed are you that the effects on this card are not listed in the standard class order? Oh, God. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Uh, Is there any reason? I feel like that's got to be at least like a 7. Uh, even, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the reason is that that uh, was the way that the text would fit in the frame. Oh sure, sure. Okay, Maybe yeah, because yeah, because they had to curve the text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, I guess it does that's say fine. in any order, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, you why know. did they list them in that order? I honestly think more than the order. I think just having a bulleted list where they're not like left justified horizontally or like left aligned looks really bad to me. But they, it, it, you they, know, it's weird. They could have listed they, them in class order, and it still would have fit in the frame. I think. It's not, uh, you know, you know, one thing I think they don't really do in this game that. is in, in magic, they just like scale the size of the text. So you get some cards where the text is so oh, tiny, sure, yeah. you like need a magnifying glass. It's kind of, it's kind of good that they don't do yeah, that. That's not allowed. I, I agree. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Imagine if MJ was allowed to do that and, it could, and knew about how to, how to change the size of, of text. So, so let's, <laughs> let's try to, let's try to ask the basic question, like roughly how many of these things do you need to be able to do for this to be like worth playing? I think like maybe a better question is which one of these are the best ones to get resolved, right? Like which one of these are the most impactful, most versatile, like which class basically would you want to have this most the, easily access? The, the, the first I, the first three of these things are basically like automatically six. The first one is literally just like spend an action to move somewhere instead of playing this card. Right. And then the guardian and seeker ones are basically like automatically succeed at a basic, uh, 
uh, investigate or a fight test, right? right? Yeah. And then the last two were like bonus healing rider kind of. I mean, yeah, this this one's kind of tough. I, I feel like you like maybe in solo when you want to be able to do most of this stuff, that's good. Um, although if you this provokes an AOO, right? So that, it does. The damage I was about to say that, sad, yeah. Right. Unless you're trying to ping um, an aloof enemy, in which case, yeah, you know, sure. sure. I, 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 or, this might be you know, might maybe Carolyn because you're going to control most of the stuff. I was going to say that. Um, <clears throat> you're going to so, have... suppose you're Trish. Um, I well Trish, like you're not going to you're going to have a seeker card. Maybe it's hard to have a guardian card, but it could be cool to like move to a location with an enemy and clues at it, and then deal a damage to that enemy, and then get a clue and trigger Trish and either evade it or get another clue. Well, notably because this is one at a time, you could play this on a location that doesn't right. have an enemy you know trigger the rogue right. thing to move and then exactly. guard anything to do damage or then trigger your pick up a clue or not so that, that's kind of fun it could also um, be like you know maybe like uh you know maybe roland maybe you well roland's probably not gonna have a survivor card but roland could like move someplace steal a uh yeah i i don't know this one's really tough i think that if you're if you're playing like synergy carolyn you get the horror healing from it like maybe mm-hmm. that's cool if you're playing like arcane oh. research you know what's interesting? I just noticed most yeah. cards that heal damage or horror say that it's from an ally or investigator. Yeah, it's right. just any card. So that's yeah. like Sister Did Mary has her her one thing, right? Her um her signature yeah. asset that's really mm-hmm. hard to heal unless you have one specific card. This card actually can do that. I don't know how relevant that is. Yeah, I mean, like like huge. solemn solemn vow, I think can also, that's, yeah. But that's only for horror, not damage. Um, it's also the weaknesses that we're about to talk about right after this. If you're in a class that kind of has a hard time healing damage or horror, um, this might be one of your only options. And it is like, maybe it does other stuff as well. So it's not like you're totally just sacrificing a card slot to only get rid of your weakness. Yeah. I, I feel like you need to be able to trigger at least three of these for this to be worth two experience and a card in your deck. Yeah, and... I think that's going to happen most of the time in like four player, right? Because there's going to be people on around you or on you with with enemies on them, maybe you know there's, there's going to be somebody with damage and or yeah. horror on them at some point. Like maybe that's the best case scenario is like Carolyn with three other investigators. You know she's safeguarding with them anyways, etc. Like yeah. The, the, the way I the way I keep trying to make it work is like Joe Diamond or Roland with an Enchanted Blade, like a level zero one that they don't upgrade for some reason, even though upgrading it is great. Well, I guess Joe can't upgrade to the good one. No. So, like, Joe with an Enchanted Blade, maybe. At, like, Joe with, like, Enchanted Blade and Eon Chart or something. Like, that mm-hmm. could be okay, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, there's also those, um, there's triple-colored uh, assets out that kind of are, like, a uh, uh, mini economy. I played one in Winnie, which was crafty, which was kind of neat, and those give give a lot of access, uh, access for these. I keep forgetting that those exist, but they do. Yeah, I, I haven't thought too much about them yet, but... I kind of thought it would be neat and Winnie that that one specific one, but anyway, I thought for me the biggest use case for this was I feel like the rogue and the seeker one just have the most obvious synergy and are kind of universally the best because they're proactive. So maybe if you have like a Trish deck that has a double double in it, you could call for backup and double double it, and then you get like two clues and move could move mm-hmm. to two locations in any order, which is kind of neat. Yeah, maybe I kind of. Uh... I like the art here. I'm kind of annoyed that there's only four people in it and not five. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah. 
Isn't there like a bird? Oh, that's no, a car turn. I thought there was like a weird bird behind. Yeah, I, I was really looking for like, is there like a hidden, you know, fifth person here or something? Like, oh, someone is in the form of a bug or whatever. But like, I, I don't see it. Um, <laughs> was, I, I mean, was, I guess it, it's cards, right? So maybe like four of these are allies, but then like Jenny's holding the gun. It's maybe like a, you know, guardian item or something. I don't know. Is that, is that Jenny? Or, uh, I, I, don't, I don't I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think these are all investigators. I don't think any of these are investigators. This gave me like Doom Patrol vibes though, because it's like all a bunch of weirdos, which are a bunch of yeah, weird yeah. weirdos. Actually pretty stuff. Weirdos. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Minus in the chat brought up a really weird interaction that folks were wondering about. So there are sometimes, like for example, in Carcosa, in the first scenario, where the theater fills up with like blood or or ooze or whatever, right. and those are denoted by damage or horror tokens. Oh. These can't actually do that. These can't yeah. actually remove those. That's not intended. That's not like a thing. It, it's not yeah, that dirty, but people might be cheeky about yeah there's sometimes that they reuse tokens to represent other things uh other yeah than those, they actually normally are so those those are not damage or horror those are just right. using those tokens yeah yeah because the mj previously wasn't allowed to just print new tokens in every campaign i don't know if they'll do that as much now because now uh it seems like they're allowed to just do that <laughs> so yeah the new new model even in Innsmouth, right so um yeah all right yeah so I think that's it for player cards tonight. Uh, we got the basic weaknesses. We want to look at those real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, um, and they're all they're all like kind of similar. So maybe yeah, why don't waiting we... waiting for an extremely loud motorcycle to go by. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're all basically similar. So maybe we can kind of talk about them together. Yeah, um, I'll I'll just go over them. So we got um, arm injury, leg injury, panic, and stupor um for arm injury uh all of them they get put into your threat area when you draw them um for the arm injury and leg injury uh they can be healed as if they were one point of damage on you if it's healed discard it for panic and stupor they can be healed as if you have one point of horror on you if it's healed discard it so you have you have to have some way to to heal to get rid of these cards and then they all have a force effect that is similar for arm injury. It's after you take a fight or activate action, you cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of your turn. That's very bad. Uh, leg injury is after you move, resign, or evade. You cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. Panic is after you play, engage, or resource action. You can't take any of them for the remainder of the turn. And stupor is... After you parlay, draw, or investigate action, you cannot take any of those types of actions during the turn. Uh, my first note was it's very funny that on leg injury, one of the three things is a resign action. Uh, <laughs> so in my, in my head, I was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Does that imply that there's some way you could resign and still be in the game? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, these are these are kind of rough, right? Like these, if you get one of these basic weakness, that like immediately encourages you to as soon as possible upgrade into something that lets you heal. Um, I mean, I think depending on which one you get and what your deck is like, there's some combinations where this really might not be very bad at all. Um, like for instance, <laughs> if you're playing a if you're playing a guardian and you get stupor, um, you're not going to investigate probably. You're, there's some scenarios where you might want to parley, but a lot of times you're busy fighting and that's other people's job. Mm-hmm. And uh, draw, like, how many times do you really want to just spend your whole turn drawing? Like, sure, maybe sometimes you do that, but not that often. 
but there's other combinations where it could be really bad to get this. I mean, and so yeah, you, you would you would have to like alter your deck to try to put in healing stuff to totally. get it. Stupor is definitely the least scary one, I think, for all of these. But like pan- panic, if you play, makes you only play one card a turn, um, or one or get one non fast card, right? Uh, yeah, just but, one card, but right? uh, everyone except like seekers, most of their cards aren't fast in. Um, well, so... that's the other thing I was gonna say is like panic. Honestly, would be pretty fine for seekers who are gonna rarely play cards, yeah. right? Oh, do fast cards not actually count for the panic? Right, they're not actions. Oh, that's fine. I had panic <laughs> in my Ursula deck, and I, I was thinking that like I could only yeah, either fine. play the magnifying glass or crack the case, and if that were the right. case, it would actually be kind of annoying. But like panic was totally fine. No, I think. Yeah. Arm injury and leg injury are actually the worst ones because, yeah. like, imagine having like a Monterey Jack that just has a leg injury somewhere in his deck all the time. That would be so miserable well, to deal with. I mean, once you get your two Pathfinders, uh, so you know the the arm injury was the worst one I think in general because activate actions, yeah. any any arrow well, action, right? So that yeah. well, if you have assets that do actions, you can only do it once per turn. If your investigator ability has an action on it. Uh, I mean, it's bad I mean, for but, Guardian, but it's bad but, for other people, too. But, but again, no, I mean, I, I think arm injury is terrible for anyone who's fighting with weapons. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're like, well, but but suppose you're like Nathaniel, you probably don't care about it, right? Or if you're basically any seeker, like maybe you want to activate archaic glyphs, but you can just do that with knowledge's power. You don't actually have to like, you know, <laughs> uh, spend an action. To, like, like, I think there's definitely a fair number of investigators that don't care about arm injury. There's definitely a fair amount that don't care about stupor. Um, I think leg injury is weirdly maybe the scariest one because is, like yeah. there's there's enough scenarios where you have to like make a break for the end and resign at the end mm-hmm. where like you, this makes that very difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you draw this at the wrong time, it could be like everyone else is like racing to get out this turn, and you're like, oh crap, I need to find some way to heal a point of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and the other thing is that like rogues specifically do not have any damage heal as far as I know. Like innately, they have they have horror heal in in the form of uh, liquid curds, so you can just kind of adaptable that in if you need to. But right. like, as far as like arm injury or leg injury, that it's actually kind of worse for them, I think, generally because of that fact. And uh, just like not taking actions for an arm injury is like weirdly the worst for like mystics and guardians. And guardians yeah. make sense because they're like wielding weapons, but like mystics, like they're like waving their arms around i guess so they can't use their spells as efficiently you know even even for guardians if you're playing shriveling and azure flame it's bad if you're playing like right of seeking and uh whatever a lot of times you tend to like use that once per turn anyway so it might not be the worst thing i mean it, it's still going to be annoying but like it, it's also do you remember the C, the mystic card we just talked about a, a few weeks ago that's like heal one damage and horror for each Synergy oh, yeah, yeah. thing you have or something like that. Is that a trance, and, I think? And I, I, I think we were pretty down on it, or at least I was. And it's still, it's obviously not a great card, but that's an example of the kind of card that you like have to kind of suck it up and put in your deck if you get one of these. Mm-hmm. Like it's a card, it's a card that's not great, but it's like a fairly easy, simple way to just heal one point of whatever and get rid of this. So if you are a mystic and you're like, oh man, I got arm injury and now I can't shrivel guys as reliably, it's like, well, okay, I probably just have to put in a couple copies of that, you know? Yeah, even like Panic and Stupor are fine for them because they've got like Fearless, uh, but there's no like Fearless for damage. So it's it, 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 the other thing about these that's annoying is you really do need very specifically healing. A lot of times, like you mitigate damage and horror by playing disposable things like Leather Coat and Teddy Bear, mm-hmm. or regenerative allies like Jess and Peter, or you maybe you even rely on something like Solemn Vow, where like you're you're moving it onto Peter or somebody else's Peter. 
Um, but in this case, like you, none of those do anything. You actually need to like heal a point of damage or horror yeah. off of you. Yeah, guardians can do that, right? Yeah, they've got a whole ton of stuff for for yeah. all that case. For so yeah, I mean, mystics can do both. Yeah, yeah. Survivors and... have survivors have like the book that can heal horror and adds bless tokens. Do they have much else? No, you're thinking of the guardians. <laughs> that's oh, a that's guardian. a guardian. I thought there was a survivor one. Well, they have a they have a book that if you fail by at least two. You get to a uh, healer. Uh, there, there's something in Stella that lets <laughs> you heal something. Yeah, that's yeah. probably what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like tales. I think these just could be nastier in solo if you're playing someone that yes. one of these screws up your day. Um, in solo, you typically do probably want to do multiple different types of actions a turn. It might not be the same set on these, but just having to spend action, spend a card in your deck probably to heal it in a later scenario and. Drawing at the wrong wrong time could be pretty brutal. I think in multiplayer, I think you're right. There's somebody in your group can probably heal you if needed, and you know you might draw if you don't get one that's the one that cripples you completely, like Armandry on a Guardian. Then you can probably play around it for a couple turns if needed. And and we have seen that like the the Archive of Conduits, the Paradise version. Like if somebody has that, that's a great way to deal with these because it can heal either one from anywhere. Yeah. Um, there's there's not too many other ways to heal this that don't involve like going on to someone's space which could be annoying mm. but uh there, there, there's enough cards in the game now that heal damage or horror it's like probably someone in your group can can have some yeah yeah i mean all in all i think that i do like these being added as basic weaknesses because i was like kind of wondering the direction that they go in after the fantastic dream eaters ones um i can't even remember oh the insmith ones were uh the curse token ones but like, yeah, like it's it's really hard to like add like there's just so many weaknesses that are all like pretty similar now. So like it's really hard to get that like okay, what are we doing with these? Okay, these actually do something very different, mm-hmm. and uh, they actually kind of pose like well maybe yeah, I need to some healing, I, you know. I I like them. They they feel like they could have been like in the core set, except that maybe there weren't quite enough healing cards back then. Like they feel simple, but they're kind of interesting, and in that you can play around them, which is what we usually like. And they're, I mean, yeah, they, they can really screw you over depending on which one you get in your deck and whether you're solo or whatever. But I feel like the average case on these is like, it's maybe like an average basic weakness. Like it's going to be annoying sometimes, but you can play around it and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's it for the cards today, right? We finally got through them all. <laughs> Psych. There's now, two more episodes of cards. Yeah, of these. <laughs> we still have all of the many multicolor cards to talk about. Yeah, but as far as now goes, uh, that's it for cards today. Tomorrow, Dan and I are going to be playing through uh, Return to the Circle Undone at uh, six thirty EDT. Um, we did this cool Friday because people listen to us on the podcast. It'll be that is, today. That is true. You won't know. You won't. You have yeah. no idea what what time so. or date is. If it's the, after the apocalypse, there's just no recorded time anymore. So, uh, you know. We're going to be using the ter- uh, the campaign tarot reading Destiny. It's already been pretty fun. So uh, we'd love for you to join and hang out with us tomorrow, um, Friday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so if you have any uh, other feedback or questions for us, email at comments at mur.fm and we'll read your message on a future episode. Uh, if you want to stay current with what we're working on, follow us on social networks, including Instagram, Twitch, or join our uh, Discord server. You can find all our links at social.mur.fm. And if you really enjoy what we do and want to get more involved, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Mr. Tonic University Radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcasting network. 
Thanks everybody for joining us today and thanks to the folks who are listening in the future. Take care everybody and be well. Bye. See you Bye. next time.